Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. Uh, This week will actually be a little bit different from the past few podcasts in that I'm going to be doing a podcast uh, by myself. I haven't gone on a rant podcast, I don't think, in a little while. I don't know. I go on rants a lot. But I feel that I'm long overdue. So I want to talk to you about a situation that we had and what was done about it and then where we went from there. So last year uh, was about, actually about this time, honestly. Um, It was uh, in October. We had a big spike in overdoses in Springfield, Missouri, Greene County. I, uh, we had gotten something, uh, that had fentanyl in it, uh, supply that had a fentanyl in it and including methamphetamine. Uh, there was some fentanyl that was inadvertently in the methamphetamine. And of course, when somebody is opioid naive, it takes extremely even smaller amounts of fentanyl to cause somebody to stop breathing and go into respiratory depression. And that's kind of what we were, we, we, we were looking at at that time. So I put a blast out. Uh, we provide Narcan. So I put a, a thing out and let everybody know, hey, if you come by, you can get Narcan at our place, at the Springfield Recovery Community Center. And then I reached out to some other people and equipped them with Narcan too because we don't have 24-7 staff. So there was... A couple organizations like Preferred Family Healthcare, uh, their residential treatment center, which used to be Carol Jones, where they have 24-7 staff. And I contacted them to see if I could supply them with Narcan so that when somebody contacted me at, say, 2 in the morning, I would be able to say, hey, you know what, if you go there, go to the backside where their tech station is knock on the door, let them know what you need, and they'll be able to equip you with nasal Narcan. And that's what we did. And then the city reached out and, well, the city didn't reach out, but the city reached out, I guess, to the community and said, hey, you know what? We put a group of people together and we're working on this. So I started asking around and I talked to uh, various treatment centers and people in recovery and even reached out to some of the people that were actively using and I asked if they'd been contacted by the city, a, to which, of course, they said no. So I contacted the city, and I said, so what exactly are you guys doing uh, as somebody who's in recovery and has worked in the recovery and harm reduction space for a while? I would really like to help you guys uh, find s- some solutions. To which they replied, no, it's okay. We've got city leaders meeting and we're planning what we need to do. We're okay. So I mulled on that and that was on a Monday. 
And then uh, Tuesday, I reached out to Preferred Family Healthcare and uh, one of my friends, Jennifer, who was over at Burl, and, and said, hey, you know what? I have an idea. And they said, what? I said, I'd like to have the uh, Springfield Overdose Summit. I think that we're at a point where we have a real need right now uh, for something for our community, and I don't feel like anything is really being done. So we planned the summit, and I wanted the summit to be something that was tangible, something that was hands-on. And what I mean by that is I wanted people, if they went there, to be able to leave with actionable information, right? I didn't want people to go there and not and be exactly where they were before. So there were some things that I knew I wanted, right? Um, I don't know if I've done a podcast on this before, so I'm probably going to go ahead and just talk about it again really quick. So basically, I wanted to make sure that uh, people that went there could get Narcan and learn how to use it. I wanted people to know if they went there, uh, different treatment programs that were available locally and how they could access them. I wanted people to know uh, housing, like recovery residential re- residences, and how to access those, as well as various other resources that were in the community, right? So we went ahead and said, hey, we're going to have this thing, and I believe we had it on uh, the following Tuesday. We, we literally planned it in a week. And a funny thing happened along the way. Uh, we'd reached out to some people and let them know when all of a sudden people started reaching back out to us. So we started off with a community leader panel that had uh, Ken McClure, who's the mayor of Springfield. It had Tom Vandenberg, who is the Green County's chief forensic officer. It had Clay Goddard, who's the director of the Springfield Green County Health Department. Uh, Lynn Morris, who's one of our state reps. Uh, I actually got a phone call from... Josh Hawley, who's uh, the U.S. Senator for uh, the region, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> the day before going, hey, is there any way he could come in and speak? Uh, after that, we had a panel of some resources. And then after that, we had a treatment panel. Then we had lunch and networking. Then we had another resource panel. And then we had uh, kind of an opioid 101 Narcan training and then we f- that I did. And then we finished up with a harm reduction 101 that Chad Sabora did. So lots of amazing organizations joined in. We had, uh, you know, we had Rachel uh, Michelle, who's the Green County Substance Use Disorder Liaison. Uh, we had uh, um, the partner, my partner who helped me start uh, Springfield Recovery Community Center, Alan Fish from New Beginning Sanctuary. We had Mark McNelly from Victory Mission. We had uh, Sunny Nutt, who is the director at Harmony House, which is our domestic violence shelter. Uh, Sam Loge from Burl Transitions. You know, we had uh, John Street from Freeway. We had John Allred from Freedom City. We had Nicole and Jennifer uh, from uh, the Tree Grant, which is a grant that is for uh, younger people. I think it's for 12 to 25, and it does everything from uh, provide co-occurring counseling to providing housing. Uh, we had, uh, you know, people there from the Epic team. I mean, we had all kinds of people. And then of course we had, what all did we have represented? Uh, we had preferred family healthcare. We had Burl, we had synergy. We had, 
uh, the behavioral health uh, integration and medication first uh, program people from Jordan Valley. We had uh, Cox Center for Addiction. We had Teen Challenge. We had somebody there from BHG. Basically, it seemed like things were going really well. And after that was over, I was contacted by the city with a, hey, would you like to come in? And uh, we're, we're, we're meeting and now and we're getting everybody so together to actually talk. So I was invited to the big city meeting in November. Uh, let's see, the uh, emergency Springfield Overdose Summit actually happened the end of October. I, I don't know, it was like the 29th, 30th, I think it was the 29th. And, you know, we also, I mean, we had a couple hundred, several hundred people that attended. We live streamed it so that even more people could uh, see it. I partnered with Missouri Institute of Mental Health and Department of Mental Health, and uh, they loaded me down with Narcan so I could ensure that everybody that came that needed or wanted a Narcan kit got a Narcan kit. Went well. I'm like, man, we have some synergy. People came together. Maybe we're going to start working together. And in November... I went to that planning meeting, and they asked for our ideas, and we talked about them. And then they said, okay, awesome, let's meet in January. And To which I was like, you know, why do we have to meet in January before we do anything? Why can't we do some stuff now? And somebody said, well, you know, we'll meet in January so that we can come to consensus on why we're here. And that kind of puzzled me. Because I'm like, okay, I know the reason we're here, I'm pretty sure, is we're all sick and tired of parents burying their kids and kids burying their parents. We're sick and tired of losing people we care about to overdoses. I think that's why everybody's here, and if they're not here for that reason, then they're probably in the wrong room. I mean, that's how I see it. I don't know. As a uh, compassionate person who believes in unconditional positive regard, believes that all people have value, uh, you know, which uh, should be shared by most people in my community, especially since I live in basically the buckle of the Bible belt, and that should be one of the core tenets, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Would you want your kid to die from an overdose? No. Would you do everything you possibly could to ensure your kid wouldn't die from an overdose? Yes. So let's do whatever we can to ensure other people's kids don't die from an overdose, right? I mean, to me, it just makes sense. And unfortunately, uh, they said no. And I'm like, but I have this great, at least one idea that we could do right now. It wouldn't take a lot. We'd get the chief of police. We could get prosecutor or PO. We can get somebody with some street cred and we could make a, like a PSA for the Good Samaritan law. Uh, the law that basically says, listen, if I call 911 because somebody has had a, a drug or alcohol poisoning that neither me, the caller, nor the person who I called for who is experiencing the poisoning will get charged for certain crimes like possession, um, paraphernalia, keeping maintaining a public nuisance, altered ID, providing alcohol to a minor, uh, lots of different uh, things. And I also, if I'm on probation and they're on probation or I'm on probation, won't get in trouble for violating my probation or my parole or for violating restraining order. I'm like, we need to get this out there. I've been talking about it when I do Narcan trainings and stuff, but there's a lot of people, every time I speak in a group, including around people who are actively using, uh, 
they don't know about it. So we need to get this information out there and like, oh, that's a great idea. We'll talk about it in uh, January when we meet again. <clears throat> After the holidays, I'm like, I okay. I mean, how many more people are going to overdose in that two months? How many more people are going to die in that two months? But I guess we have to come to consensus because some people here are heartless and they're not here because they don't want to see more people die. I, I, I don't I don't understand and I don't know, maybe this is the reason that I don't get invited back to stuff. I mean, I try to be very level-headed, but sometimes I think my passion overrides uh, my uh, calm, cool demeanor. I think sometimes my uh, empathy overrides my professionalism. And because of that... <sighs> anyway... So we met in January, and once again, they looked at all the different ideas. In fact, this time they reached out to groups and had them send in more ideas. Uh, and then we talked about those ideas, and more or less what it was, in my opinion, somebody who was there, was a chance for everybody to brag about all the amazing things they were doing. I mean, honestly, that's what, oh, we're getting ready to open this up, this new thing up, thanks to blah, 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 federal grant, thanks to blah, 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 state money, thanks to blah, 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 city of Springfield. And, you know, this is what's going to be the real game changer. So actionable ideas, very little other than millions of dollars to open up a new uh, organization or two that were opened up by places that were already on weights. I mean, it amazes me how long it takes for me to get somebody who, especially here in Springfield Green County, where meth is still the major drug of choice, how long it takes for me to get somebody that doesn't have Medicaid, doesn't have insurance, into treatment for methamphetamine that they could die from. And yet we're having places open up all these other things when we can't even take care of the problems we have now. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. Sure, we can do medication first if it's an opioid or, you know, uh, maybe alcohol. But for methamphetamine, it seems like a lot of people are just tossed to the side because they're not a primary population because there's money for opioids, but there's not money for methamphetamine. Um, well, you might need to detox for opioids, but you don't really need to detox for methamphetamine. I mean, we literally, uh, I don't know, it's an upside down world we're in right now and it freaking breaks my heart. I've seen, I mean, I know parents who have had to bury their kids because their kids were waiting on a detox bed. I know people who have had to bury their kids because their kids were waiting on a treatment bed. Um, and this especially rings true for, like I said, methamphetamine, because we can't immediately get them on medication because no medication truly exists that is FDA approved. Sure, people will tell you, well, this works, that works, but you know what? For a lot of people, it does not, whatever those uh, pharmaceutical regimens are. And I'm a big fan of things like uh, buprenorphine and methadone and um, and even in some ways Vivitrol, right? Because I think they all have their place and they can all be effective. Uh, Vivitrol works really well with a lot of people with uh, drinking. Uh, buprenorphine and, and uh, 
methadone tend to work really well with people with uh, opioid dependencies. Uh, you know, we have those, but we don't have that for meth. But anyway, so everybody congratulated themselves, clapped themselves on the back. Um, I said, you know, can we, can you guys do that PSA? And they said, you know, that's a great idea. We're going to continue working on things. And I said, good, I'd love to be part of your guys' work group. And they said, no, we got it from here. So that was in January of last year. If you flash forward to this year, in the first six months of 2020 compared to the first six months of 2019, we saw a, according to the Missouri Institute of Mental Health and the data that they got from Greene County, we saw a 120% increase in opioid overdose deaths. So we more than doubled our opioid overdose deaths. It was actually one of, I think it may have been the largest increase in the state of Missouri, but that's okay because we had this meeting and we got it. Nothing about us without us. We talk about it all the time. And yet it seems so often that at the very top, especially where I'm at locally, we tend to have a lot of people that are lifetime businessmen and bureaucrats that are deciding anything and everything we do. And because of that, we more than doubled our opioid overdose deaths for the first six months of this year compared to last year. Now, of course, COVID exacerbated some of that and everything else. Sure. But you know what? If we would have done some actionable things, because we opened up these million dollar places and you know what? We still doubled. We did all this amazing stuff and everybody got to clap themselves on the back and talk about all the great things they were getting ready to be doing. And they're good. But we could have worked together and done more. And instead, we all met together and then we scurried back into our silos and everybody continued doing their own thing, talking about how great what they do is, instead of looking at ways we could support each other and what we're doing to, so I don't have to duplicate what you're doing. I can support what you're doing well and help you do it better with my support while I continue to focus on those things I'm really good at and you help me become even better at what I do. And we don't tend to do that around here. You know, um, I don't know how it is in your community, but I know where I live, we don't tend to do that. We say we work together and we meet together. And half the time, the only time we meet is at those meetings or maybe when we come together to talk about the people we have in common at staffings. But do we really work together? You know, as a recovery community center, I find myself working with just about everybody because I refer to multiple treatment facilities. Uh, I refer to multiple recovery residence providers. I refer to multiple programs. Uh, most people in uh, this community, when they're looking to hire a peer, come to me to help them find a peer because I'm one of the state peer trainers and uh, I have been one of the state peer trainers almost since the program started. And uh, because of that, I, I have access to a to a lot of peers and who the peers are. And I'm a person in long-term recovery. So I kind of have my, uh, my hands in both of those realms. Right. So, so it's frustrating, you know, and then I look at more numbers and I try to get more preliminary numbers. And, and, uh, what I got was what they already had for March through June of this year compared to the last couple of years. Right. And once again, those numbers that I saw 
were alarming. You know, now we don't have huge numbers, right? We don't have hundreds of people dying. We're also not a major metropolis. But when I see something like uh, drug deaths, uh, we went from 24 in 2019 to 45 in 2020. That's a 88% increase in all drug deaths, right? We had 120% increase in opioid overdoses from January through June. But from March through June in all drugs period, we saw an 88% increase. Uh, we saw, I think it was like a 40% increase in suicide rates. And once again, when you're in a pandemic, I mean, not a pandemic, but a syndemic, that's S-Y-N-D-E-M-I-C, not S-I-N, you're going to see that there are multiple factors that are kind of clashing against each other. And when we have things like institutional racism, multi-generational poverty, uh, skyrocketing unemployment rates, um, unaddressed uh, mental health, well, yeah, <laughs> unaddressed uh, trauma, really, and untreated mental health. Because a lot of times we know the mental health is there, we're just not treating it. And a lot of times we don't even know the trauma is there because nobody cares enough to ask or dig down, right? Um, and we almost tripled our homicide rate from uh, March through June. But like I said, if you're just looking at <clears throat> suicides and uh, drug and alcohol poisonings, we saw an 88% increase in the drug and alcohol poisonings and about a 40% increase in the suicides in just that three-month period. And I'm sure people would love to sit back and blame it all on COVID. But once again, why... Why do we have like one of the highest increases in the state? Like our increase in opioid overdose deaths was higher than St. Louis City, higher than St. Louis County, higher than Jackson County in Kansas City. I mean, we whooped their butts. And yet we had all these amazing things we were going to do. Right? We patted ourselves on the back and talked about how great we're doing and we got it from here. Thanks for your help. Finger guns. Pew, pew, pew. <clears throat> Anyway, I'm rambling, but I did this just to say that I wish we worked together better and more frequently. I wish we did more than just pay lip service to working together. I wish we did more than just say we were going to do it and then didn't do it. Um, and even though there's things like the Recovery Coalition, the Ozarks, um, that, that I sit on that has people from all over Southwest Missouri that come together, <clears throat> we've got to become better at it too. Here at the Springfield Recovery Community Center, we've got to become better at it too. I don't know if it means that we start a Springfield meeting here, um, a Green County meeting here, and maybe that's what we have to do, but it's weird. Uh, when the city calls a bunch of people together, they come together. When one of the big money places, one of the multi-million dollar uh, treatment organizations calls people together, people come. A lot of times when Springfield, when a recovery community center, a recovery community organization calls people together, they don't come. I mean, honestly, in order for me to get in touch with some of the people that I've needed to get in touch with, uh, I use a couple different networks because a lot of times I don't get calls back, Right. But what I found is uh, my board president is Crystal Quaid, who 
uh, last year was the House Minority Leader. And when I have her contact people, they generally listen. I've also gone to church, various churches, and I found that when I reach out to somebody's mother-in-law or somebody's mom and say, hey, your son, your son-in-law isn't returning my phone calls, would you get a hold of them? It's amazing how quickly they return my phone calls. Or other things I've done is like talk to Dr. Winograd and said, hey, I know you're giving this place a couple million dollars. Could you please make them? Because she's uh, kind of the lead over the STR, SOR, state targeted response, state opioid response, uh, federal grants we've gotten. You know, I, I had to reach out to her once and say, listen, could you please contact this organization and tell them that, that, that we need to have a meeting? And when the, their funder gets a hold of them, then they listen. And they play along nice for a month, two months, and then they stop answering phone calls and stop coming to stuff. So I don't know what has to happen. I know everybody's busy, but people are dying at alarming rates. And yet we're still staying siloed and still not working together. Anyway, so just know that... uh. I am uh, still trying to figure out what to do. Um, guys, get a hold of me. Uh, you know, shoot me some direct messages. Uh, my email is david at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, email me there. Uh, get a hold of me on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever you need to do. If you've got some ideas, something actionable we can do. Um, I know I'm probably, uh, and right now with COVID, it makes it hard. I know I'm probably going to have to do a virtual meeting. Um, probably getting ready to do something kind of like we did last year because we're not even talking. We've more than doubled our opioid death rate and we're not even talking about it because COVID is front and center. Well, if you die from um, uh, overdose or die from suicide, guess what? Really doesn't matter if you have COVID or not. So, I mean, that's still something that needs to be addressed. And even if we come out with this vaccine in the next six months to two years, we're still going to have people that are dying from overdoses that we need to address. So that would be my hope is we can come together and do some of those things. So I'm going to end this by talking about one of the things we did. So yesterday I had the chief of police, I had a probation officer, and I had a mother who had lost her son because he had been left by his friends. Uh, in my office, and we shot the f- film that we're going to use to create the 911 Good Samaritan uh, public service announcement television ad. Now, we're going to have to put that together, which will take a little bit of time. Uh, and then we're going to have to, you know, and I'm going to start shopping it out to the local networks and then see if I can get some funding to get it on TV. So if anybody has any idea about funding or wants to be one of those people that give us a little bit of money so that we can get more play from the PSA, please, 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 please get a hold of me. Anyway, I love you guys. Sorry about kind of ranting and rambling, but man, it is so stinking frustrating when you see everybody around you talking about all the amazing things they're doing, but you look at the stats and the stats do not reflect that. I know we do good things at Springfield Recovery Community Center, but I also know that there's so many more things we could do and that even though we're doing good things, we could be doing better. 
right? So instead of us sitting there patting ourselves on the back, giving ourselves accolades, we are doing whatever we can to continue to improve our services, uh, continue to increase our services, and continue to find ways to impact our community in positive ways, especially those who are less affluent um, and may not be able to afford services. So, and once again, we will continue to try to work with all of the, uh, all the organizations in our area around the state and nationally that we can, that will reach back out to us whenever we reach out and ask them for help or say, Hey, you know, won't you come by here and let us know what you do? Can we stop by and you tell us what you do? So anybody in any agency that wants to work together better, that's interested in coming together with us so that we can continue trying to create real solutions to the syndemic we find ourselves in the midst of. Once again, please get a hold of us too. Anyway, thanks everybody. I appreciate your time. And uh, next time I'll have somebody on here with me. So I'm sure it'll be much more interesting. And I'll pro- and because they're on here with me, they'll probably only let me go on slight rants and they'll cut me off in the middle of them. Love you guys. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's a Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture.